We got other stuff to talk about apparently tonight. Totally, man. Uh, so let's just jump right into as as my theguardian.com window doesn't stop ever. Uh, welcome to episode 57 of the all-new sports show, the podcast, everyone. I am Edward Green. That's Wes Bradshaw. Joined, as always, by producer Desmond McManus. Uh, this podcast is being presented to you by NGSC Sports and at NGSCSports.com. We never stop, and we are certainly not going to stop talking about the story that is currently taking, dare I say, the world by storm. Uh, and depending on what part of the world you live in, really kind of shapes how you feel about it. Of That's course, right, folks. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner is here to stay. You know, I didn't put that on the rundown, but I, I have a feeling you're going to want to talk about this later in the show. <laughs> Not as much as you think I do. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're saving that for Facebook. Um, speaking of Facebook, if you want to get in on the conversation with us, you can in a multitude of ways. Hit us up on Twitter at All New Sports Show or at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green. You can find us on Facebook, All New Sports Show. Where that's also on Instagram. You can also find us on YouTube, the All New Sports Show. You can email us allnewsportshow at gmail.com. And finally, send your letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, 27804. Wes, let, let's just get right down to it. Sepp Blatter kind of resigning, although Time Magazine pointing out he never actually said he's resigning as president of FIFA. Um, so we're not sure, but... I think he's going away. Eventually, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, therein lies the other part. You know, it's not like this is effective immediately. This is probably going to drag on until Christmas. Yeah. Um, but, but, fear not, fans. There is a light at the end of our long, dark tunnel. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be dark for a while, I think. Uh, right now... We're actually uh, still getting um, updates in. Uh, former FIFA Vice President Jack Warner is actually talking, uh, or has just finished talking. That's right a really bad option for him, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Especially, <laughs> did you did you see did you see where he held up an Onion article as part of his defense? Well, the Onion's the most true to life. It's actually probably the most unbiased journalism in the world. So I can't really blame him, but. I mean that just that just made this the most perfect thing ever. Oh, it's so great. Um, he has been saying many things uh, in this press conference right now, saying stuff like, "I will no longer keep secrets for them who actively seek to destroy the country." Warner said, uh, "I reasonably actually fear for my life." Uh, Warner City has documents and checks that link FIFA officials, including uh, embattled President Sepp Blatter, to the 2010 election in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, quote, I apologize for not disclosing my knowledge of these events before. Um, he also said, not even death will stop the avalanche that is coming. And the die is cast. There can be no turning back. 
let the chips fall where they fall. And of course, Wes, uh, the the biggest, I think, reasoning and train of thought going on behind Bladder stepping down at this point after winning re-election for the fifth time just mere days ago, just this past Friday, it, it seems like our new uh, female crush, Loretta Lynn, has has to have, along with the FBI, uncovered something. Like there, There's no reason after he wins re-election for him to step down now unless he knows they have something, right? I mean, there has to be a smoking gun. This guy just four days before his resignation was standing in front of the world just openly mocking anyone who dared challenge him. I am the president of everyone. I mean, this is not a guy who, uh, by the way, that's Loretta Lynch. Loretta Lynn, of course, a former country music singer. I apologize for not saying the ch. My bad. I, I deeply apologize, Loretta. It, it does somewhat, uh, Yeah. it does somewhat change the, uh, um, but there's obviously a smoking gun somewhere, and that smoking gun are these guys who have now had to turn over. Yep, and uh, part of uh, them, of course, one Chuck, of them is Jack Warner. Yep, I was going to say the other one right now is Chuck Blazer, who uh, his uh, testimony has come out today, just a couple hours ago. Uh, within it uh, says, quote, I and others of the FIFA Executive Committee agreed to accept bribes in conjunction with the selection of South Africa as the host nation for the 2010 World Cup. Uh, I agreed with other persons in and around 1992 to facilitate the acceptance of a bribe in conjunction with the selection of the host nation for the 1998 World Cup, which was held in France. Um, fun fact here, Morocco actually lost out on the bid both of those years. So, sorry, Morocco. But uh, this it, this seems to be part of it, though, where, where um, Chuck Blazer who is a very wonderful-looking man, and you, you've been referencing it pre-pod about having his cats in New York. Oh, Chuck Blazer is beyond magical. He's um, a- had a nice apartment for his cats. Yeah. Uh, went to the park riding a uh, basically a scooter, much <laughs> like I sell uh, during my day job. Oh, my. Uh, with a giant macaw. On his shoulder, that would bite people. Oh, that's fantastic! Um, uh, you know, take along with it. He is a a man of a burly, statuesque man yeah. uh, with a beard that would make the Robertson family of Duck Dynasty very proud. Oof. Um, and what? a blog telling about all the money that he spent yeah. illicitly. Oh, that blog! That that is straight out of the nineties. Um, although other reports coming in though. Uh, just a couple days ago, over the weekend, really, Jerome Valke, uh, the FIFA Secretary General, has been reportedly involved in a bribery case. Uh, prosecutors say he transferred $10 million in 2008 from FIFA to accounts controlled by another soccer official, the aforementioned Jack Warner. Uh, the payment is a key piece of last week's indictment accusing Mr. Warner of taking a bribe in exchange for helping South Africa secure the right to host the 2010 World Cup. And in a move that uh, shows the the hubris 
not just of Seb Blatter, but apparently of a lot of FIFA high-ranking officials. Uh, Valke, just a couple hours ago, uh, said, quote, I have no reason to say that I shouldn't remain Secretary General regarding what's happened in the last days because I have no responsibility, he told France Info Radio. I'm beyond reproach, and I certainly don't feel guilty, so I don't even have to justify that I'm innocent. Wow, Wes, just, wow. Yeah, because there is no one above reproach like the French. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right now, basically everyone who has not been indicted is telling everyone how innocent they are and how they are the one true good person. Um, everyone who has been indicted is kind of saying is the same thing. Flipping on everyone as fast as they can cut a deal <laughs> to tell you how bad of a person they are. Um, this is basically this is basically, and I can I can make this joke because I just rewatched it today on Netflix. This is basically the first episode of season five of Archer, when, when they all all the people flip on uh, try to flip on Mallory when they're when they're held by the FBI. Yeah, I mean that's all this is. Everyone's just trying to flip on somebody to get the best deal possible, and the thing is they are they're taking this entire organization down from the inside. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's 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 almost it's like the end of uh it's like the end of Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's just it's the system being blown up, and I mean, literally everything everything has the opportunity to be grown anew here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really, really, a really exciting time. Chuck Blazer as Meatloaf, obviously. Um. So- also, his name on, was Robert Paulson. That's true. Um, one of the big things, though, Wes, uh, coming out of this, this is something we have been talking about maybe since the inception of this podcast. Um, sources are now saying that the FBI investigation into FIFA has widened to take in how the tournaments in 2018 for Russia and 2022 for Qatar were awarded. The official toyed Reuters that they review the awards to host the tournament would be part of a probe that is looking beyond corruption allegations. Uh, Qatar is now dismissing this as a bashing campaign of criticism of its 2022 bid as anti-Arab prejudice. Uh, Russia has come out and uh, railed against the American imperialism and that they forced Blatter out. Um, Africa is the the mood in Africa right now, according to the Guardian, is that Blatter's departure is a machination of Western governments. Uh, Asia F- is saying FIFA under Blatter was no longer an arrogant Eurocentric club, and even Spain is kind of saying Blatter a victim of quote Anglo-Saxon interests. Um, Wes, this this isn't seeming to get some of the play the same way it's gotten here in the United States and possibly in England and a couple other countries in Europe. Um, so my question to you is twofold. One, do these countries and continents and areas have a reason to be justified in their stance right now? And two, maybe the bigger question, how worried should Qatar be that they're going to lose their World Cup? We talked a lot about it last week, but now in light of Bladder stepping down, how much more of a challenge will it be? Um, to answer the first part of the question... I actually believe a lot of these places have the right to feel the way they do about Seb Blatter because it's it's what we were just talking about in the in the pre-show. Right. 
for all the shit that Seth Blatter has pulled, Seth Blatter has basically taken the the FIFA, the World Cup, the championships. You know, as much as I am a fan of Europe, it was extremely Eurocentric when he took over. Mm. At that time, I want to say Africa got one spot in the World Cup. Probably. You know, he has he did succeed in taking the game to the rest of the world, making it more accessible, and and therefore truly, truly making it the world's game. Um so in in that regard, I mean, what can we really, you know, in that regard, you've got to give Seth Blatter some credit. Um, now the way he did it, once again, was not the most honest way, and that's kind of what's gotten him in trouble is the way he did it. But now these countries who for years had absolutely no say in anything, um, suddenly they do have a say in it. Now, is that, you know, personally, I'm, I'm of the belief, I understand this whole everybody has one vote and right. your vote matters as much as anybody else's vote. Mm-hmm. That's great in theory, except for the fact that like Qatar, who has 200,000 people in the entire country mm-hmm. and has no infrastructure for this. I'm sorry, they should not have the same power of a Germany or, you know, the United States or England. I'm just throwing those out there, of course. Um, Or even a Brazil or an Argentina who are the major world hubs of the sport. Well, and I think part of of that is I'm reminded a little bit of how uh, the United Nations Security Council works. Um, when, when you go into Security Council, everybody has a vote. However, there's five countries, and I'm probably going to screw this up, uh, but I believe it's the United States, England, Russia, China, and maybe Germany. Um, all of them have veto power. So, yes, everybody gets a vote. But those five also have automatic veto power. And it's because they're powerful countries and they are recognized by it. We do it the same way in America. You know, we, we, we've done it through the bicameral legislature. We have the, the Senate where every state is represented equally, mm-hmm. where everyone gets two. And then we have the House of Representatives where you get, depending on your population. And that's, and that's the Electoral College as well. Yeah. And that's how we elect our president. And that's... Yeah. Maybe that's how it should be more of, where everybody gets a voice, but some people, some countries probably need. And I, I know, and I know, I heard your hesitation, and I know what you're thinking because I feel it too. You don't, you don't want to be dismissive of African countries because no. they're African, but countries like Brazil, who, let's face it, up until maybe the last five to ten years, could totally be considered a third world country. But they were one of the biggest footballing countries in the world. They mm-hmm. should absolutely have a bigger stay, a bigger say in what's going on in FIFA than, let's say, I don't know, uh, Liechtenstein, Kyrgyzstan. Exactly. That's and that's where mm-hmm. I think it has to be. Everybody should get a voice. But it's obvious now that the whole equal to every to an all two hundred nine countries having the same power doesn't work. 
and um, and you know when you get basically these third world countries, or even what would be considered maybe a second world country, which is a very non-used phrase, um, you know, it's kind of like you said, you know, well, all these countries, quote, all these countries are mad at the U.S. and Great Britain. No, they're not. It's the representative. It's the FIFA representatives who were taking the kickbacks. Yeah, sure, they're mad about it because they're not getting a kickback anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so really, I would love to know really what the world's actual pulse is, not just a guy from Cambodia who gets to be the mouthpiece of his country. When the rest of the people were like, oh, you know, we're so happy he's gone. No, no, I am so, we're so upset he's gone because I'm not going to get paid now. I don't have a suitcase full of money waiting for me next time I'm in Zurich. Well, I think I saw a picture uh, somebody had taken in South Africa, and, and there was posters everywhere basically celebrating, and and I think some of them hoping Sepp Blatter was actually dead. So, so I, I I feel like I think you're right in saying I, I think the high level government officials who were benefiting from those bribes, benefiting from getting that money, uh, those kickbacks you were talking about, yeah, I'm sure they're pissed off. But I can't actually imagine that the common person in these countries is really that upset about this. And it seems like if that picture in South Africa, who got a World Cup, yeah. They don't seem that unhappy. Um, and also, this comes across The Guardian. Uh, this is part of the Chuck Blazer testimony. Uh, in and around 1993 and continuing through the early 2000s, I and others agreed to accept bribes and kickbacks in conjunction with the broadcast and other rights to the 1996, 98, 2000, 2002, 2003 Gold Cups. Uh, it goes on to note the U.S. was host or co-host of all the tournaments. The Guardian notes that so is if some allege. This whole investigation is a U.S. plot to make its enemies look bad. It's a pretty shoddy plot. Like, mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's like this whole thing started with, hey, look at all these CONCACAF officials who are corrupt as hell and who gave the gold cup to the United States. Let's take them down. It's like, wh why would we bring ourselves down to make to just to screw you? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, totally. This was never, this was never, you know, meant to be a witch hunt of Asia and Africa. You know, sorry that in investigating, shit turned up on you. Yeah. But I mean, this was a fat guy from New Jersey who they were basically investigating and who rolled and who told the story. You know, it was an American who got his hand caught in the cookie jar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, don't sit here and just try to say, oh, America is out to get us all. Oh, they're pieces of shit. Nah, y'all handle that on your own, guys. It, it's, it's just sad and it's, it's depressing to hear that that's what other people are taking away and that's the way they're trying to spin it. Is I, I'm sure there's a little bit of self-interest in the United States. It's, it's silly to think there's not. But but to simply say that this is a plot to make either Russia look bad or to 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 bring up anti Middle Eastern stereotypes in this bashing campaign of Qatar it, it is quite frankly it's silly and it's slimy and it's gross 
and, and Wes, so I'll get back to my second question, which I think might have gotten lost in the weeds a little bit. Do either, both, or none of the these two World Cups get re-voted on for their location? No, Russia's going to be locked in. It's, I agree. Uh, a, it's, it's too late. Yeah, it's too late. B, Putin, the wonderful Vladimir Putin, um, God, I'm not, I'm not trying to quote him here, but he came out and made an excellent, excellent response when everything happened, which basically put it in the court of, if you take it away from me, you know, or if you take it away from us, excuse me, this is a conspiracy. So he kind of painted them into a corner where it would look really, really, really petty to take it away from Russia. Right. Uh, Qatar, on the other hand, (laughs) and look, I'm going to say this real quick about Russia. Um, I mean, I don't really have a big problem with a Russian World Cup. You know, I think that is a, it's obviously one of the major, major countries in the world. Mm -hmm. They never hosted before. This is, you know, one thing they want to do is get it to different places, which I don't have a problem with. Uh, Russia, of all of these countries over there, should should have the infrastructure. Um, they got a practice run with the Olympics, which they failed miserably, but whatever. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not going to be in a tiny mountain town uh, that needed fake snow put in for the skiing events. Right. Um, <laughs> Oh, and I do have some great Olympic news, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> so Russia, I think Russia's going to be fine. I can still see a boycott coming, mm-hmm. but the, it will be Russia 2018. Nothing's changing that. Qatar, Qatar, Qatar. You guys are running out of friends real fast at the table. Yeah. Um, that one I could 100% see going to a revote, and if it does – Unless every one of those delegates just get just get together and are like, you know, we're doing this for our boy Sep. Yeah. I have no idea how in God's name they can win a revote without somebody getting their pockets filled with something. Right. I um so <laughs> I think I think we're gonna have to see with twenty twenty two. Um I think it needs to be done quickly once <laughs> they get uh once they elect the new FIFA president. That needs to be, if that is going to be the road they're going to take, that needs to be done within about three to six months of that guy taking power because if you're going to do it, you need to go ahead and get it done so you can so you can then decide what you are going to do in 2022. Yes, the easy choice is the United States, but that doesn't mean that's what the choice is going to be. Exactly. Um, one thing I did want to point out right here before we, we're going to move away from this in a minute here, but, uh, Rod, Rog Bennett, our good friend, Rog Bennett, I wish he was our good friend over at the men and blazers, uh, was on ESPN the other day talking to Bob Lee about, uh, what's going on and quite awkwardly mentioned, uh, mentioned Fox having the world cup rights, uh, to broadcast them for the next couple, uh, turns. Uh, as we remember, Fox was actually given, automatically for some weird bizarre reason the 2026 world cup when they had only bid on the 2018 and 2022 ones uh as and it seemed like that was part of a payback from fifa for apologizing for having to move the guitar uh world cup to the winter um and so raj actually brought up a good point 
do if that if Qatar gets revoted on and they lose it, and let's say it goes to the United States, does Fox then have to give up that 2026 uh, uh, deal and they'll have to go back to a vote, do you think? Well, I'm sure that was not a handshake agreement. I'm just I'm sure they've got something written in stone on that. Um, so I I don't foresee that going back to a revote. I wish it would. <laughs> because you know, Fox, you know what, Fox, I like your NFL coverage fine. That's the ball y'all should stick to. That and baseball. Stick to that and you'll be fine. <laughs> You should not be sticking to the world's round ball. <laughs> you know, they, they – I don't know because they don't do a bad job of the Champions League. Now, granted, that's – they don't have to use their own teams for yeah. the Champions League. They just broadcast it and it's fine. Exactly. Let's let's see how the Women's World Cup plays out, and uh, then then we'll be able to figure out whether whether we're ready to bring ESPN back into the fold or not. Um, not that I wouldn't love – to have ESPN back in the fold, but I'm, I'm willing to give Fox a chance. Let's see how they do it. Um, speaking of uh, actual soccer that has been taking place, um, Wes, there was an FA Cup this weekend. The FA Cup of crap. Yep, Arsenal won 4-0 over Aston Villa, and that's all we're going to talk about it. Yay! Congratulations to Southampton. Uh, so you tried to stay out of Europa. You tried. You tried really hard. Now, not only are you in Europa, you get to go to qualifying. Sucks to be you. Um, so Wes, let's talk about something happier. Let's talk about the 2015 Copa del Rey final. Copa del Rey. Uh, which saw Barcelona beat Athletic Bilbao 3-1 to at the Camp Nou. Uh, it was Lionel Messi scoring an absolutely wonderful goal. Just, just breathtaking goal when he took on all comers in the 20th minute and put it past Diego Herrerin uh, of Bilbao in goal and basically took it past the entire team by himself. Uh, Messi is, as Gigi Buffon put it earlier this week, an alien, and he's come down to play with humans for a while. Uh, he added another goal in the 74th. Neymar made it 2-0 in the 36th. Uh, Williams for Athletic Bilbao, Anaki Williams, made it 3-1 to save Bilbao's blushes only slightly. But 97,000 in Barcelona cheered on their team as they have now done a double and West this Saturday they will be going for the treble, but another impressive dominating performance that was basically, in many ways, just a tune-up for Barcelona before their Champions League final this weekend against Juventus. That does make it a little more interesting because now both teams going yes. for the treble. Yes. Um, and, that, and that's cool, man. You know, it's cool that it is two of the elite. Um, you know, every, everybody, of course, loves a underdog story. Mm-hmm. Everybody says that, and then at the end of the day, they want the big clubs. Yes. <laughs> you know, you, you remember, everybody wanted Butler. And then we got Butler Duke, and nobody watched. <laughs> so, whatever. People say what you want. No, we want to see upsets, but at the end of the day, we want to see the best going head up. We want the big names. And you've got them. You've got Messi. You've got Suarez, you've got Neymar, you've got Pogba, you've got uh, 
Arturo Vidal. You've got Carlos Tevez. You've got Pirlo and Pirlo's beard. You've got Gigi Buffon and maybe his oh, last match. Buffon and his incessant cursing. Yes. And his, uh, oh, I want to see him sing the Champions League anthem. <sighs> That'd be I glorious. I want him to sing along. He is an amazing singer of the anthem. I cannot wait. I'm pumped. I'm really, I'm really excited to watch it. Um, it is going to be Saturday afternoon here in the, in the good old U.S. of A. on the East Coast. Uh, I have a uh, a wedding cookout to go to that evening, but it will have to wait. Yes, it will. Love you, baseball Brit, but it will have to wait until Champions League is over. You know, uh, that's isn't that how uh, Raj and Dave met? On on the wedding boat that they were trying to watch the Champions League final? No, or is it a World Cup final? Oh man, I wish Britt had a boat. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yes, that's what we're taking away. I'm from not, this I'm not a, yeah, I'm, I'm totally not even thinking about them. I just wish we were on a boat this weekend. That'd be cool. Hey, I'm I would, a boat. There you go. Thank you, thank you, Andy Sandberg. Um, so yeah, check that out this Saturday. Uh, speaking of teams uh, going for the treble. One did this past weekend, although it was a domestic treble only, as Paris Saint-Germain won the Coup de France final uh, against Agir out of Les Deux. Uh, PSG, of course, in Les Une. Uh, PSG wins 1-0 on the back of a 64th-minute goal by Edinson Cavani. Don't say he never scores big goals. Cavani comes through sometimes <laughs> when it matters. Um but he put 60 million pounds later, he scores in the third rate cup final and <laughs> is all worth it. Oh, Laurent Blanc's men come through uh, with the fightings Latani Ibrahimovic's uh, as they obviously this was their tune up, Wes, for this summer's uh, Champions Cup presented by Guinness. They are so excited right now. Zlatan is just gearing up for his first ever meeting of the all new sports show. Oh, God. Could you imagine? This is like my dream scenario. We, we, we. I had. I take my book, and I say, Mister Zlatan, will you please sign this book? And he sees how big of fans we are of him, and and he sees how wonderful we are, and he asks us to come party with him in Charlotte that night. I want you to party with me. We will drink absinthe until light. Oh, shit. Okay. I was like, Nah, dude. I just drink some Coors Light with this cool. Oh, I'll, I'll drink a Bud Light with lime. Oh, bro, we're good. Um, totally, man. It's um, PSG. I love PSG. How how big how big is them winning a domestic treble? I mean, it's better than not winning it. I guess it's true. Um, I mean, you know, PSG for a long time, even though they were the team in Paris, you know, of all places, no one really gave a shit. And they were they were very mediocre mid table for a long time mm-hmm. until uh, until they got some nice oil money that kicked in around there. Gotta love uh, kickbacks. So you know, for their fans, I think you know, I think the real the diehards. I mean, the diehards are still like really really happy to you know do something like win a treble, even if it's domestic, because to them it is very important. Now, the, the worldwide fans who, you know, I've been a PSG fan for six years now. <laughs> wow, that's how long they've had money. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. You know, to them, oh, it's a disappointment. Who cares? But I think to the to the true PSG fans, the lifelong PSG fans, uh, great achievement, and I don't think they have any problem with it. 
No, I, I think it's a very, very well done. Uh, a disappointing Champions League exit. Uh, but again, it's, it's you know, to maybe the best team in the world right now. So it, it, it happens. Um, our final uh, cup final that we're going to be talking about is, Wes, the DFB Pokal final. Uh, as it was between Borussia Dortmund and VFL Wolfsburg in Berlin. And Wolfsburg gets the big win 3-1 to win their first DFB Pokal final in the club's history. Uh, Luis Gustavo got Wolfsburg on the board after Abumajiang, Pierre Emmerich Abumajiang, got Borussia Dortmund their only goal in the fifth minute. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, who we are looking forward to seeing do great things in the world over the coming years. He gave Wolfsburg the lead in 30 minutes, and then it was Bas Dost who put it away for Wolfsburg just five minutes later. Uh, Wes, disappointing end to Jurgen Klopp's tenure, a chance to go out with a trophy, uh, does not do it. But Wolfsburg looks to be officially now a team on the rise after making a deep run into Europa this year. Uh, Wolfsburg most definitely, excuse me, Wolfsburg most definitely um, are making themselves an important team in Germany. Mm -hmm. And if you're an important team in Germany, that's going to translate to making you an important team in the world. Um, They got a nice influx of cash a few summers ago, new ownership. That always helps, it seems like. Um, I think they have wisely spent their money. They didn't go out and just buy every single big name they could get their hands on. Right. Now, they have bought good players. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, who <laughs> now probably will leave. Yeah. But anyway, um, <clears throat> you know, among others. But they, they've really done a great job of finding their way into that number two spot. You know, behind Bayern Munich, which granted, yes, you might win the league every once in a while over Munich, but just overall, everyone is playing for second mm-hmm. against Bayern Munich. Uh, we all understand that in Germany. Uh, for Dortmund, <clears throat> disappointing into the season, but I think Klopp can leave with his head held high because they did not roll over and die after Christmas. No. When they could have and probably should have. They did not roll over and die. He got them back to a very respectable finish. I don't believe they're going to be in Europe anywhere next year. No, they are. They are. They are. They going are. Did to they the, get into the? They they're, in Europa? they're in the Europa qualifying round, the third qualifying round. Well, there you go. I mean, so that's actually that's great for them. You know, there is a chance to do something in Europe. Yes, it's not the Champions League, but Europe is better than no Europe. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, Klopp leaves on somewhat of a good note. Yes, he would have loved to have lifted the trophy, but he does leave on a good note that he, you know, he beat Bayern to get, excuse me, to get to the final. Oh, yeah. And they, they really fought back. Now, it's going to be a really, really interesting summer for Dortmund, and it's going to determine their immediate future. Not their long term, but their immediate um, Klopp is gone. Klopp has said has now said he's going to take a year sabbatical before coming back to coaching. Um, there was the big rumor that uh, 
he was interested potentially in the Liverpool job, which, I mean, you know, Liverpool obviously couldn't ask for better. Um, and it is the one guy that I would boot Brendan Rodgers for at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has said he's going to take a year sabbatical, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> which in hindsight, if Dortmund do have a very tough season next season, that's that's only going to raise his stock. Yeah. Even though part of the problem with him leaving is that they are going to lose some really good players now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, part of it could be because Klopp's not there. The other part could be, well, you know, we're going to lose really good guys. Um, the chance is definitely there to lose Marco Royce. The chance is there to lose Mats Hummels. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan looks like he's out the door. Um, Pierre uh, Abamayong, you said his name earlier, and I just totally blew it. Close enough. Yeah. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> good chance he probably ends up out of there. Henry Mihatarian could end up out of there. Um, I think you're going to see a revamped Borussia Dortmund squad uh, next season. And, you know, Dortmund's one of those teams, they're not afraid of a youth movement at Dortmund. Mm-hmm. Um, so look for that to probably take place as they they, they kind of pull an, an Oakland A's. It's like, yeah. yeah, you know, our guys leaving their prime, but then we turn around and we rebuild. Um, <clears throat> I think that's what you're going to see coming up at Dortmund. So this for this group, this may have been the last hurrah for uh, for Dortmund. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they proceed over the summer. Um, we do have a little bit of note here: the Champions League spots uh, have all been filled out now for this upcoming season. There's still a few Europa spots to iron out. But all the Champions League spots are now locked in uh, with all the, all the big European clubs and uh, tournaments, or sorry, and leagues finishing up their seasons. Uh, you In the group stage right now, you have Barcelona, Real, Atletico from Spain, Chelsea, City, and Arsenal from United, Bayern, Wolfsburg, and Borussia Mönchengladbach from Germany, Juventus and Roma from Italy, Benfica and Porto from Portugal, PSG and Lyon from France, Zenit from Russia, PSV Eindhoven from the Netherlands, Dynamo Kiev from the Ukraine, Ghent from Belgium, uh, Galatasaray from Turkey, Olympiakos from Greece, and Sevilla, also from Spain, comes in as the Europa League champions from this season. So those are your group stage teams uh, in the playoff round right now are uh, Valencia, Man United, Bayer Leverkusen, Lazio, who won the spot this last weekend in Serie A, and Sporting CP out of Portugal. And there's a bunch more teams in the third, second, and first qualifying rounds. Uh, Teams like the Crusaders out of Northern Ireland, and of course everyone's favorite team, Celtic. Nothing? Okay, that's fine. I, I... I thought I could annoy you, but I'm not even I'm not even uh, responding to that anymore, Ed, because I, you know you're wrong. You're just you're just sandbagging me now. I see how it is. I see how it is. Um, let's then talk a little bit of transfer news. Three quick stories to highlight here before we get into some other stuff. Uh, Pirlo, it does look like is going to be coming to NYCFC. Uh, there's a, been a lot of speculation that Pirlo would be done at Juventus. 
after this Champions League match, and it looks like now it's about a done deal. Uh, the club that's already signed Spanish striker David Villa, who only has three goals this season, uh, and is going to be welcoming Frank Lampard in a few days. Um, the 36-year-old does look like he will be coming over to play for NYCFC. Uh, at 36, West, we've we've said he's such a brilliant man. He's he's lost a bit of a step, but still, this is a guy who could really make an impact in MLS. And it's it's another, not at the end of his career, but maybe nearing the twilight of his career, coming over to MLS along with <clears throat> Steven Gerrard, Lampard, David Villa, Kaká, and others. Well, I'm just, uh, I'm really, <clears throat> I'm really excited to see what Pirlo can still learn. I mean, because now he will be under the tutelage of mixed Discaroo. Nordic Messi. <clears throat> so, um, you know, Discaroo has a lot of teaching to do with Pirlo. Pirlo has probably never played in any sort of an environment like he's going to get at the Bronx. Yeah. Um, Don't think Pirlo's played on too many baseball fields. I doubt Pirlo's seen very many baseball. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it'll definitely be an adjustment for him. Uh, Turin, of course, a gorgeous set in the mountains, Italian city. Um, the Bronx, of course, a uh, swamp hell hole <laughs> set in one of the worst cities in the world. Basically. Hate you, New York. I'm not, I'm not lying here. Can't stay in New York. Um <clears throat> So, uh, you know, I hope the money's good for Pirlo because he is going to a bad place. Yes, he's going straight to hell. Uh, but it might mean we get to see Pirlo one day come around here. Maybe maybe NYCFC in the next International Champions Cup and they bring him to Charlotte, maybe? Or maybe we end up in whatever the American Playoff Cup is, the American <sighs> Champions League. And he comes to carry to play the Raylons. Oh, that would be great. Oh, that would be absolutely unbelievable. <clears throat> I think that's actually, you're thinking of probably more like the uh, Lamar Hunt tournament. Yeah, I don't know what the hell it's called. It's the USFA Cup, basically. Yeah, that thing. Yeah. Uh, so I remember uh, Galaxy came a few years ago and played. So. Yeah. Um, here's one that is something that goes completely against what we've been saying for the last couple months, really. Uh, it looks like Yaya Torre is actually going to be staying, potentially, at Manchester City. Uh, he says, quote, uh, to James Robinson of the Manchester Evening News, I will definitely stay. The fans don't have to be worried. My target this year is to try to do everything possible to make this team improve well, and I am sure with my experience, maybe, I hope, with the players coming in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, definitely it's going to be a strong city next year. Um, Inter Milan had hoped to lure Torre to Italy, confirmed by Vice President Javier Zanetti on May on May 20th. Um, Wes, I, we, we kept saying, you know, last couple of weeks, Oh, is that Yaya Torre's last goal for City? Is, is this just him pulling a Gareth Bale, or or is Torre really going to stay as a citizen? Um, I'll believe it when I see it that he actually plays again for City. Um, I think he's trying to keep his. Uh, I mean, it, it, he would be stupid to come out and say, "I want to leave. I'm out of here." <laughs> You know, you, you keep you <clears throat> play a little coy. 
Um, and then, hey, maybe that money has to get just a little bigger to get you out of there. You know, Yaya yeah, knows what he's doing. Um, I mean, he has a fantastic song with his name in it. How could he not know what he's doing? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, no. <laughs> He, he knows what he's doing. He's being smart. He's being coy about it. I, I still would be shocked to see him wearing the sky blue of Man City again. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, where where does he go if he isn't going to go to Inter Milan, and if he doesn't if he doesn't go anywhere else in Italy? I mean, where does where where does he go? Where do you think could be then a fit for Torre? I see him in uh, somewhere like a PSG. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you make a good point. They're just, I mean, there's not a lot of clubs out there who are in the market to pay big, big money to a 32-year-old who may have shown decline this year. And not only that, the thing you got to worry about Torre a lot is is motivation. You're right. Um, I just, I just. Don't think I don't feel he's gonna end up back at City. It's just everything has pointed to no. And yes, you know there are these transfer stories that come out, yeah, and things change obviously. But I've just got the feeling that that he's gone. <clears throat> Where he's gonna end up, I don't know. I, I still wouldn't rule Inner out. Okay, just because they're saying it right now doesn't mean it won't happen. Um, <clears throat> but it, I, I believe this is going to be one that drags on through the summer. Well, we if will. I'm wrong, all you city fans can just blast me when the season <laughs> starts. Oh, you stupid Yankee! I had no idea what the hell you were talking about. I just I get gut feeling sometimes, folks. I, I had a gut feeling that Suarez was going to get hungry during the World Cup a year ago. Well, he did. It happened. He certainly <clears throat> did. Um, right now, uh, another bit of news, Wes, uh, Rio Ferdinand has retired. He will no longer be dancing at the lane. Uh, he will, uh, he announced his retirement during the, uh, BT Sport lead up to the FA Cup final. And, uh, he's also revealed it on Twitter. Um, of course, he was a longtime stalwart at Manchester United, one of the most solid uh, center backs in the Premier League, along with teammate Nemanja Vidic. Uh, he has won the League Cup, Champions League, and Club World Cup during uh, the 12 years he spent at Old Trafford. Um, uh, Ferdinand actually started his career at West Ham and then went to Leeds before getting a then-British record transfer fee of £30 million to go to United in 2002. Uh, thoughts, Wes, on uh, Rio Ferdinand leaving the beautiful game in England? Really tough year for Rio Ferdinand. Yeah. Um, of course, yeah. his wife recently passing away from cancer. <clears throat> you know, he, he left his beloved Man United, where he had been a legend, um, went to QPR, which was a massive grease fire. After a year like this, I think it's... I think it's just a sign almost. It's like, I, I just, I need to get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, you know, but <clears throat> for a guy like that, he really needs to get out for his family. That's a guy right now who needs to worry about raising his children. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, he should. I never guaranteed professional athletes money for anything. He should have plenty of money. He has gotten paid a shit ton of money throughout his career. Um, so he should be good to go for life. Yeah, obviously he can end up working somewhere like Man United TV or, you know, be on Sky or be be in sport. He can he can find a job outside of a job in football outside of the field. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, they might he might end up somewhere at Man United on staff or something. But uh, I think uh, I think right now I think that's the best thing he could do is step away from the game because he just he has a lot bigger issues going on than kicking a football around. Certainly. Uh, so it, it, it's a disappointing year the way the way it ended for him uh, to to be playing a QPR, which was just dreadful for most of the season. Uh, spent big, went bust. Uh, and now back down to the championship. So a tough way for him to end his career. But as you said, it, hopefully he'll be going, uh, taking care of his kids and focusing on what's what's now at this point of his life, I'm sure, much more important than football. Um, and finally, as we end our football news for the week, uh, we've got to go what I, I, I think we need a new catchy name for it. Because it's something that I imagine is going to be going on for the next at least couple weeks here. Uh, let's call it... I, I I can't do it. Uh, what's going on with Raheem Sterling? There we go. Uh, Manchester United are now upping their offer for the Liverpool starlet up to twenty-five million pounds to get him over there. After Liverpool already denied United the chance one time. Wes, you you are a Liverpool man. We have no more Liverpool matches to talk about, so we have to bring your ire up a little bit. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on the latest Raheem Sterling rumors? Um, United, I almost wonder if United's doing it just to troll Liverpool. Um, <laughs> uh, because it, it's, he's not going to United, right? No, I, I can't, I can see literally no scenario where we directly sell him to, to United. If he left for two or three years and then signed with United, you just shake your head and be like, "Piece of shit." <laughs> but um, I just I, there's no way he's going straight to United, and that we're going to sell him there. I God, I want to say there has not been a deal between Liverpool and United since maybe at the very latest the the early 1960s. <clears throat> I mean, they, they don't deal with each other. They they hate each other. <laughs> Um, you know, Johnny Damon infamously left the Red Sox and signed with the Yankees. The Red Sox didn't trade Manny Ramirez to the Yankees. Yes. <laughs> you know, we didn't be like, ah, here, just take him. It's cool. <clears throat> no, that's, that's not how it works. No. Um, the rumor this week that kind of, that really caught my eye. I mean, the United rumors is like, oh, whatever. I picked that one up, threw it away very quickly. Um, they have said that there, there is talk of a player swap with cash with Arsenal. I did see that. Yes, with uh, for Theo. Would, yeah, and that would uh, <laughs> that would kind of <clears throat> yeah that one sparks my interest a little bit. Theo Walcott and Kieran Gibbs mm-hmm. going to Liverpool, and then that there would have to be cash thrown in on top of that. Um, 
But that that seems much more interesting to me, especially than selling for twenty five million to United. How um, how do you feel about that deal as a Liverpool fan? Well, I, I'm I'm one who feels if Walcott can stay healthy, I mean, all feel Walcott ever does when he's healthy is play pretty damn well. Um, I would like to see him unshackled from Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger, who is this, you know, supposed genius of forward-thinking football, sometimes he just, he gets ideas with certain players and won't change anything with them. Uh I think Walcott would do a great job for Liverpool. I really think Kieran Gibbs would do a great job for Liverpool, who don't have a left back. (laughs) Yeah. And who, I mean, we, we, we just don't have one. Uh, John Flanagan injured. Uh, Glenn Johnson out of contract. Uh, apparently, we don't like Mankio. I mean, so we need a back. It would it would make sense from a Liverpool standpoint. Yes, you hate you hate to give him to another team in the Premier League. You know, just like you know, for for Tottenham. Yes, you lost Bale, but I mean, you sent him to Madrid. Every everybody goes to Madrid, yeah. and they pay you a shit ton of money for it, and that's great. I, I mean, if we're gonna sell Sterling tomorrow, I say just sell him to Madrid. <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently they might want him, but we'll see. Um, but you you hate to give him up to a team where he's gonna come back and bite you in the ass like mm-hmm. day one. Yeah. So. That's why I just think if he's going anywhere in the Premier League, it's going to have to be a home run of a deal. Somebody's really going to have to turn Liverpool's head with a deal inside the Premier League. I think if a PSG or a Munich or a Real Madrid came in for him, I think it would be a lot easier to move him. Mm-hmm. If the price was right, of course. I mean, yeah, it's still got to get a good price, but... I mean, hell, I would take less and move them out to send them out out of the country. So June third, Wes, your your percentage confidence of of Raheem Sterling leaving uh, Liverpool before the beginning of next season? I say seventy five percent. Oh wow! Okay. I think I think he's gone. I think his agent has made this an untenable situation. Uh huh. They're pushing for it. Yes, Brendan Rodgers and FSG have come out and said, you know, too bad, you're going to play out your contract. That's a, that's a good thing to say. That's a good thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Ted Suarez is going to have to do it. Yeah. And how that worked out, we sold him and got a huge profit for him. I mean, you know, if you can turn around and get 40-plus for Sterling, I mean, you take it. That's the British, that's the British record if that happens. Mm-hmm. If you get a British record, you take it. Um, and, of course, I believe the British record is still the $35 million Liverpool play, paid for Andy Carroll. Yeah. Yeah. So over that price, you take it and you go. But you really don't want to sell in Britain. No, I understand. Um, as we move almost out of soccer talk, uh, we do have to mention that the Women's World Cup is starting this Saturday, uh, June 6th. Uh, first match will be Canada versus China, and then match two will be New Zealand versus the Freaky Deaky Dutch. That's matches in Group A. 
on the 7th, uh, we'll go to Group B with Norway taking on Thailand and Germany taking on Cote d'Ivoire. And then on the 8th, we'll see Group C start their action. Cameroon versus Ecuador, Japan versus Switzerland. Uh, And then on the 8th as well, we go to Group D with Sweden versus Nigeria and the United States versus Australia. And then on the 9th, we have Group E with Spain, Costa Rica, and Brazil, South Korea. And then on the 9th as well, Group F with France, England. That'll be a fun one. And then Colombia versus Mexico. And, of course, with the six groups in play, uh, the top two teams in each group advance to the knockout stage, as well as the four best third-place teams go all to the knockout stage. So we'll see how that transpires up in Canada. Remember, check that out on Fox Sports, and let's see how they manage to do with a World Cup. My guess is it'll be all right. Suboptimal. Fine. It'll be okay. Not the suboptimal that we enjoy. The suboptimal we probably won't enjoy that much. Exactly. Um, and of course, so, one one big storyline to keep up with in all seriousness will be the fact that every match will be played on artificial turf. We'll have to see how that takes a toll on the players, uh, both physically and Stamina-wise, having to play that much on turf, uh, it could be a problem as we go later into the tournament. Well, as we continue here on the all-new Sports of the Podcast, episode 57, want to take this quick reminder to tell you guys that the podcast is being presented by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. Uh, and they never stop talking about uh, the NFL. Uh, they just mentioned that uh, Agent Peterson... Reported to OTAs. So, yeah. yeah. And, and no children are beaten in the process. Oh, oh, no. That, we hope. We think. We don't know. He hasn't been arrested for it. Not yet. Not yet. No, we're good. That's all we can go with. Hey, we, we, had, our, we had our guy arrested last <clears throat> week. And that's all we can hope for. Um, so, here we go. Um... Wes, we're going to head into the College World Series, and my, what a crazy College World Series it has been so far. Regionals have been changed, Super Regionals have been changed, Uh, extra innings have been played, State collapsed. East Carolina Um, didn't even get up, so they could collapse. It's true. They they were very flaccid. Uh, Let's go through and let you guys know. We, of course, picked. uh, And Wes, uh, you did quite a bit better, I believe, than you did last year. Yeah, I didn't do too bad getting them coming out there. So here we go. I think I really picked the route there very well. (laughs) Yeah. It was a little swervy, but you got there. Uh, We start in what is now being called the Charlottesville Super Regional. Because, you, uh, are you going? I know you're excited. I'm not, actually. Champions League. Yes, it is Champions League weekend. But I will be watching it. Hopefully, it'll be on ESPN3, so I'll be able to see every game. Um, but we do have uh, the U- number one overall seed for the second straight year and only the third time in the modern era of the College World Series. The number one overall seed of the tournament does not get out of their own regional as UCLA falls to Maryland in the final game, 2-1, to one, Maryland goes to a Super Regional for the second straight season. Uh, and Wes and I both picked UCLA to actually go to Omaha, so 
though obviously is not happening. Um, and, and what's crazy about that is out of eight national seeds, seven advance. Yeah. That does this the number one overall seed. Crazy. The lack of offense. What we thought UCLA had solved it, but it just reared its ugly head at the worst possible time. Uh, losing 4-1 to Maryland in the winner's bracket and then losing 2-1 at the end. Uh, Maryland will be traveling, as we mentioned, to Davenport Field at the University of Virginia because UVA comes out of the Lake Elsinore Regional. Uh, Virginia defeated USC twice, once in the opening round 6-1, and then again in the final 14-10 in an 11-inning thriller. Of course, the story of that tournament, USC had played a ton of innings that day that was 20 innings of baseball after they had to defeat san diego state in the losers bracket to make it back to the championship that game was won at 12 11 in a big usc comeback win but virginia advances wes this is their third straight super regional and six out of the last seven years that UVA has gone to a regional. They've been to at, or sorry, they've six out of the last seven years. They've been to a super regional, and it's now twelve straight years uh, under head coach Brian O'Connor that they've made a regional. I mean, Wes, this was a program that was basically almost left for dead, and it, they're they're a little bit uh they're a little bit Bournemouth, Wes. To be quite frank, they're they're a little bit Bournemouth. They were on the verge of bankruptcy. And they have come back to now attain some of the highest levels in college baseball. But, you know, the thing is, and not, not, I'm not taking anything away from the Virginia program and what they've done. Be very careful with what you're about to say because I can stab you through the internet. I mean, their entire history in baseball can just be described as massive underachievement. You are sitting in one of the most baseball talent-rich pools in the country. And I mean, I just, I just think as soon as Brian O'Connor came in and gave them some, just some effort. Yeah, <laughs> that's all they needed. They just needed someone to give a shit and give them an <laughs> effort, and they did. And it's fantastic. And this was a Virginia team that wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah, and here they are, and they're God. I'm pulling for them to go to Omaha without a doubt. Anything to keep Maryland away from anything. Um, so I mean, that's more. That's my thing on them. You know, Bournemouth is more your. I know you compare with Bournemouth. Bournemouth is just more your plucky little. Look what we did. Mm. Virginia was just like this sleeping giant who yeah. was just waiting for someone to wake them up, and now they've done it. And this is what they should be. They are now what they should have been for a long time. Because man, once you get on that campus in Charlottesville, oh, it's it's gorgeous. the The facilities are great. You know, it's a beautiful place to play baseball. You've got good, mild weather there, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and just a few hours east, you have some of the most talent-rich um, places to get players. Yeah, you know, you, they've, you'll, done a, they've done a fantastic job in Virginia. Yeah, you'll have places like Richmond and, you know, that, that whole area, a lot of the rest of Virginia – and then they you know, also the Newport, Norfolk, Hampton Roads area, which is more known. You know, it's very well known for its football and its basketball, but the baseball is fantastic there too. 
Oh, absolutely. And they also have that sort of Northeast corridor. There's a lot of guys coming down from New York to play for them now. New Jersey, great baseball places. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Virginia really sort of tapping that market up there for a lot of great baseball players. And, And again, this is a program that is just really becoming one of the powerhouse programs in all of college baseball. So we'll see if they can make a return trip to Omaha. And kind of like what you said, not a year at this point where we thought, especially after getting uh, losing all three pool play games in the ACC tournament, not a lot of high hopes for Virginia, and yet they are actually hosting a Super Regional. So quite <laughs> a turnaround for the Cavaliers. Um, let's head to what is now, for some reason, the Fayetteville Super Regional. Even though the number eight overall seed Missouri State survived their regional at Hammonds Field in Springfield, they beat Iowa 3-2 in the regional final. I had picked Iowa. You picked MSU. Uh, I don't feel bad about my Iowa pick. Iowa actually played pretty damn well. Uh, but just could not overcome Missouri State. Missouri State just better than the Hawkeyes in this one. Uh, Missouri State will be opposed by Arkansas, which is who will be hosting the Super Regional. Uh, Arkansas coming out of Stillwater. Oklahoma State was the host there, but Arkansas beat St. John's 4-3 in the final. St. John's was a team you actually picked to come out of that regional, and they almost pulled it off. Uh, But it will be Missouri State-Arkansas, and that regional will be in Arkansas because... The Springfield or the Hammonds Field, where the regional was played, is booked by a minor league team. So we gotta go to Arkansas. I mean, yeah, we, we've had this we've had this discussion at work over the last few days because uh, two of the guys I work with are one of them's a big time college baseball fan, the other one definitely follows it. Um, <clears throat> and we're just we're just absolutely blown away how. Okay, well, even if your stadium is, you know, booked, how did you not have a contingency plan yeah. in place? You know, East Carolina, we brought up East Carolina back in 2001. Yep. When, you know, East Carolina That's had exactly not yet saying. begun construction of Clark LeClaire Field, right. which now was built for the Pirates to one day host a regional mm-hmm. or a super regional, mm-hmm. which if they ever get back to that level, they can do it now. Yes. Absolutely gorgeous facility in Greenwood. Oh, Absolutely. <clears throat> but that year, East Carolina was picked as one of your 16 regional hosts, mm-hmm. and then they hosted a super regional. Well, their contingency plan was, we'll go play at historic Granger Stadium in Kinston, North Carolina, home mm-hmm. of then the uh, Kinston Indians minor league team. Yeah. Well, on the regional weekend, the Indians had a home series. Yeah. So East Carolina had a contingency plan. They went to Wilson, North Carolina, right down the road from us, of course, where we do a lot of our ball games. Mm-hmm. And they went to historic Fleming Stadium. And I was there for it. I was there for it too. And it was a it was great. Yeah. You know, Fleming Stadium, as we know, a beautiful place. Gorgeous, gorgeous place. Uh, home to a college um, um, summer wood bat league team. And also the city of Wilson, that's kind of their go-to stadium. Mm-hmm. Great place. And then the next week, they went to Granger and played Tennessee for the Super Regional. Yep. So, um, you know, East Carolina had a plan. Yeah. Here in Missouri State, it's just, oh, crap. Well, maybe we just won't win and we won't have to worry about it. I mean, the fact that you could not find somewhere else in your state, in the state of Missouri, to play those games. Bizarre. 
absolutely blows me away. And now you literally have to go to Arkansas. So you are giving away the home field advantage, mm-hmm. which is the reason you were a national seed. Mm-hmm. You're just giving it away because you had no backup plan. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Yeah. Poor, poor for the fans of uh, the Missouri State Bears. Uh, let's head down to the battle for Florida in the Gainesville Super Regional as Florida sort of cruised through their regional in Gainesville, defeating Florida Atlantic 2-1 to in the final, but they had big wins early on, including a 19 to nothing drubbing of Florida A&M in the opener. They will be taking on Florida State in this Super Regional. Florida State had a bunch of close games including the opener when they outlasted mercer in 10 innings 5-4 then beat college of charleston twice three to two and three to one mike martin leads the seminoles into gainesville uh florida versus florida state uh i had uh college of charleston florida you had this one picked exactly west this is going to be one hell of a super regional in gainesville you know what you hope it is? That said, I would not be shocked to see Florida just beat them down twice. It's it's possible. I, I wouldn't put that scenario by them. No. Gators are going to chomp in this one. Wow. Gator, All right. Chomp. Gator chomp. And I hate Florida. So. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's head down to the other Super Regional taking place in Florida, the Coral Gables Super. Uh, as Miami uh, had a bit of a scare in their regional, where they lost in the regional last year. Uh, Columbia took them to the brink, beat them 3-0 in the first regional final. Then it got to the if game, and there was no if after about the second inning. Miami beats Columbia 21-3 to get out of there. As Wes mentioned earlier, uh, East Carolina went 0-2 in a barbecue, losing 6-3 to Columbia in the opener and losing 2-0 to Florida International in the loser's bracket. Um, West thoughts on the Coral Gables Regional, or as we dubbed it last week, the All-West Regional. Uh, you know, I did see an interesting little write-up after uh, Columbia beat Miami. i uh, got to give Columbia a shit ton of credit. Yeah. I mean, to beat an East Carolina team that was red hot. And then when they turned around and they beat Miami – um, in that game to stay alive. It was a freshman pitcher who was starting his third game of the year, mm-hmm. and he held the nation's number two ranked offense to one hit. Or as uh, as Bob Uecker would have said in, uh, in Major League, one fucking hit. <laughs> you can't say fucking on the radio. Uh, nobody's listening to anyone. <laughs> um and that was that was a great job by Columbia. I had a you know I had a feeling. I think everybody had a feeling that uh, you know that they probably used up their bullets in that game. Yeah. And sure enough, the Miami offense exploded yes. <laughs> in that in the last game. Uh, so I'm happy to see the Hurricanes moving on. Uh, real quick, just as for the Pirates, you know, we talked about that once again this week. That of course the big topic of our college baseball talks at the uh, at the workplace. Um, there in Greenville, North Carolina. If if you had said at the beginning of April, East Carolina, you're going to win the conference tournament and you're going to be a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, any Pirate fan in there, oh my God, yes. There's no way we're doing that. 
that group, Cliff Godlin, who a guy that I know you have enormous respect for, I have enormous respect for. Um, he did a fantastic job year one for the Pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, his, you know, his main role at the University of Mississippi before he came to East Carolina was a recruiting coordinator. Mm-hmm. That guy can recruit. And no offense to Billy Goblin, who I, I know well, <laughs> have known well my whole life. Um, I think Billy Godwin was just a little out of his over his skis, a little yeah. out of his league, trying to recruit the elite D one kids. Even though, as all East Carolina fans like to point out, we did have a commitment from Mike Trout. There you go. Uh, Mike that. Trout had signed before he, uh, you know, went in the first round of the major league draft. So hell yeah, we got Mike Trout. But um, I really think you're going to see Cliff Godwin up this talent level that's coming to Greenville, and I think East Carolina hopefully could be coming around for another LeClaire-type run. Mm -hmm. That, of course, Keith LeClaire, the former East Carolina coach who uh, died of uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Yes, Uh, who their field is now named after. Mm -hmm. Um, Miami now will be taking on, uh, in their Super Regional, the other shocking story coming out of Virginia, this College World Series. That's Virginia Commonwealth. They were the four seed in Dallas as a Dallas Baptist hosted them. VCU beat Dallas Baptist 7-2 in the opener. Then they beat Oregon State 5-1. Then they matched up with Dallas Baptist in the regional final. Baptist won the first game 2-1. And then VCU came back to win the eighth game 3-1. Wes, we, we, we love Dallas Baptist. We, we wanted to see them succeed. But, oh, my God, VCU just comes out and just stamps their mark into the Super Regional. Yeah, I think I'm. Yeah, you know, I picked Oregon State coming out of this regional. Yes, um, I picked I Baptist. I, I like Baptist, but I didn't really believe in Baptist, mm-hmm. which I guess goes against my actual religious beliefs. But whatever, um, <laughs> <laughs> Mama, don't listen to this podcast oh, and take that literally that I don't believe in the Baptist. Oh, um, but yeah, I didn't believe in them. I, I really think Dallas Baptist, they've got to continue to upgrade their schedule every year. Yes. Because that conference is not helping them a lot. Um, but, you know, for VCU, I, I didn't see the number one seed coming out. I sure as hell didn't see VCU being the one to come out. Uh, so good on them. And like you said, a couple teams from the state of Virginia. Uh, we now head to the other side of the bracket where we go now to the battle for Louisiana in the Baton Rouge Super Regional. LSU wins theirs at Alex Box this, Box this time. No no weird surprises, but they had a few scares put in them by UNC Wilmington. Uh, LSU got by Lehigh 10-3 in the first round uh, and then beat UNC Wilmington twice by the same score of 2-0 to zero to get out of their regional. Uh, on the other side of the bracket, it's going to be Louisiana Lafayette coming out of the Houston regional. The number one seed Houston uh, lost La Lafayette 2-1. to the, one. The, the all Houston regional, by the way. Yeah, Houston, Houston, Baptist, and Rice, and then little Louisiana Lafayette, who was a national seed last year. Uh, La Lafayette beat Houston 2-1 in the winner's bracket final and then beat Rice in the championship 5-2 to two to advance to the Super Regional. Uh, and, I mean, Wes, this this has to be something that all La Lafayette fans wanted, uh, especially after losing to Ole Miss last year in the Super Regional. Left a little bit of a bitter taste in their mouth. Now they get a chance to go to Alex Box 
uh, and and take down the number two team in the field. Oh man, I don't I don't think they give a rat's ass. Oh no, where LSU is ranked, this is totally little brother's chance to knock off big brother LSU, one of the absolute top baseball programs all time in college baseball. Mm-hmm. They are the absolute big dog of the South. And now here comes little brother who's uh, gotten a little hair on his chest over the last couple of years. And this year he's starting to grow that beard in and he is coming after big brother and he is coming out. He's going to come out swinging, buddy. That could be the best atmosphere of any regional that's coming up a bunch of crazy diehard drunk Louisiana folks. Oh man. I am so down with that. That's why I'm going back to New Orleans in 2016. It's going to be fun. So much fun. Uh, and now our uh, our next regional is going to be another all-state regional. This one will be an all-Texas regional. The Fort Worth Super. Uh, TCU <laughs> somehow won their regional. Um, I had given up on this game when it was 8-1. to one. And it was, and somehow TCU came yeah, all the way. Wait, wait, do this with me. Wolf. Pack. Wolf. Oh, it's fine. Pack. Yak. Whatever you want to say. Wow. NC State. I mean, they had it. There's nothing else you said. They had it. Yep. They were they they beat TCU five four in the winners bracket final. Uh, TCU beat Stony Brook in the losers bracket to come back to the regional final. Uh, whoop NC State eight two in the first game, and then in the if game eight one going to the bottom of the eighth with five outs to go. Six NC State errors, a couple balks, a couple wild pitches, dooms them to extra innings, and then TCU wins it in the bottom of the tenth nine eight. I mean. I, Wes, I, I I can't recall a collapse this bad in baseball. It's epic, man. I mean, that's, that's just that's freaking epic. NC State. <laughs> of course, Ed, we should have seen this coming. We should have. Hashtag NC State shit. Yes, basically. Just took on a just took on the baseball meaning for the Wolfpack now. Oh. Um, I mean, they, ugh, when you fall apart, you fall apart, and no one, no one falls apart like NC State falls apart. It's true. They they just have a habit of this in all sports. They are this this just it, they are are they the Nash Central of college sports? No, because they win a lot during the regular season. Okay, that's true. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, NC State is just NC State will win a lot. But when it when it really comes down to right now, it matters more than anything in the world. Yeah. Uh, that old Saturday Night Live sketch. Oops, I crapped my pants. <laughs> uh, yep, they lost the ACC tournament final to Florida State, and then lose this one in very dramatic fashion. So TCU will be advancing to the Super Regional. They'll be hosting it against College Station's Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M lost a heartbreaker to Cal in the regional winner's bracket, 2-1 to one in 14 innings, uh, beat the Chanticleers 8-1 in loser's bracket to make it back up, then beat Cal 4-3 to three in 12 innings uh, in the winner's bracket game, and then beat them 3-1 to one in the if. Texas A&M very resilient, and now this sets up a battle of, I believe, one of the only one-versus-one super regionals, Wes. 
That was awesome, man. Um, the baseball they played there. Oof. God, that was so good. Cal was a lot better than I thought. Against Cal. I mean, those were those were instant classics. Um, A&M, who at a point this season was ranked number one in the country, had to literally fight and scrap for their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they take that – if they take that properly and do what they should do with it, wow, man, they're going to be hard to beat because they, they've seen it. They've seen it all. They now know they can go 12 and beat you. Yeah. You know, they can, they can, they can go to war and come out of it and they know it now. So but, now let's see if they can just get the job done. But the crazy thing is they're playing a TCU team who had to come back from eight, one down with five outs to play. There you go. There you go. I mean, it's it's that's going to be, you know, we said Florida, Florida State is going to be, you know, that's going to be obviously a crazy regional. You know, I think I think the atmosphere for like we said the Louisiana games is going to be amazing. This could be the best regional. I think you're right. I think this this could be the where the you've got two. Two top teams that are just so good playing each other. Certainly. Um, Louisville's Super Regional holds form. Uh, Louisville didn't have too much trouble advancing through. Had a close game in the winner's bracket final against number three, Michigan. Uh, they won that 4-3, and then they pounded Michigan in the regional final 13-4. So the overall number three seed, Louisville, advances. And they will be playing a replay of an earlier series from this year against, I, I want to make sure I have that right. I believe I'm right on that, though. Uh, they'll be playing Cal State Fullerton. Um, why were all these games postponed? I don't understand. Anyway, Cal State Fullerton, who came out of their own regional uh, from Fullerton, uh, went to the wire against Arizona State 3-2 in the winner's bracket final in 14 innings uh, and then beat down on Pepperdine 10-1 in the regional final. Uh, Pepperdine, great place to play. Uh, not so good in regional finals against Cal State, though. And now that sets up Louisville versus Cal State Fullerton. Uh, I do want to mention, since I don't think we have that much to talk about about these two teams, Wes, I want to mention the three seed in the Fullerton regional, and that is Clemson. Uh, I heard one Clemson fan a few days ago suggest that it's time for Jack Leggett to go as head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Does he have a point? Well, you know, I mean, Jack Leggett's done a great job at Clemson for a long time now. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Clemson is kind of like, they've kind of turned into like the poor man's Texas. Yeah. You know, they should be a lot better than they are. They really should. They're a great name. I mean, when you hear Clemson baseball, you're immediately like, oh, shit, here we go. But, I mean, it, it just, I mean, Clemson should not be a three seed. Yeah. And it's they're kind of becoming a three seed more and more regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Texas. And there does come a time where, you know, I mean, there there are times where the message of the coaches just it wears out. Twenty two years. <clears throat> you know, same with Garrido maybe down in Texas, who could arguably it could be arguably the best college baseball coach of all time. Mm-hmm. But sooner or later, the message gets stale. You either leave before it gets stale, like maybe a Dean Smith, or you know, or eventually it becomes stale. 
Yeah. And and then you're asked to leave. Yes. Not not under pleasant terms. It's not under pleasant terms. So I'm not saying Leggett should be out, but at the same time, you know, um, well, here, here's the deal. I'm, I can understand Clemson fans being mad. South Carolina's completely passed you. Yeah. And they didn't even make the tournament this year. But, I mean, being a South Carolina fan is better than being a Clemson fan right now as a baseball one. Yeah. And for years, that was not the fact. <clears throat> but, um, you know, you're second in your state right now. So that's not a good thing. No. Um, the final Super Regional will be in Champagne as Illinois casts aside all doubt from being from the Big Ten. They take care of their regional in tidy fashion, beating Notre Dame 3 nothing in the regional semifinal and then beating three-seed Wright State 8-4 to in the regional final. The number six overall seed sets up a date with defending champion Vanderbilt after Vanderbilt pounds their way into a super regional. They beat Indiana 6-4 in the regional semifinals and then destroyed Radford 21-0 in the final. Uh, Radford, good year, good team. You were obviously not winning that game in Nashville. No, sorry. You guys are pretty rad. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not You're not winning that game. Vanderbilt's good. I'm pretty sure you did that joke last week. Um, well, might have. I don't know. I might save that. All right. Um, Got to save that material. So right now, uh, Wes got oops, Wes got nine picks correct in the super uh, in, the, in the regionals. I got eight. Uh, I have five teams still alive that can go advance to the uh, College World Series, including my championship series. Wes has six that are still alive, including his championship series. Mine was Florida TCU. Yours was Miami LSU. Do we see anything right now before we head out uh, of, of college baseball um, that might make us change our minds? Uh, no. I, I don't worry too much about top-rated teams getting scares in their regionals. Mm-hmm. If you get through, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I, I don't put a ton of stock. Oh, they lost a game to Columbia. So they came back and won. Yep. That means a lot. It's a care of business. There you go. So that's going to be all the super regionals start either, excuse me, Friday or Saturday. Uh, so they'll either go Friday through Sunday in a best of three or Saturday through Monday in a best of three. So we will be keeping an eye on that and we'll be telling you who's heading to Omaha next week. Um, Wes, let's now hit the zeitgeist. Uh, for our dumb football story of the week, it's not our dumb NFL story of the week. It's just our dumb football story of the week. Um, we, we talked about this a couple times. UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, decided a couple months ago they weren't going to have college football next season. They got rid of the team. Then a couple weeks ago, we heard that there was an independent report suggesting maybe they should have held on to the team and maybe would have made the school quite a bit of money. And now, just a couple days ago, UAB will be reinstating football for 2016. So, Ray Watts has backtracked the ultimate back down and uh, is reinstating the program along with bowling and rifle marksmanship in, I guess we can say. Uh, UAB's football program returns for the 2016 season, but they cannot play in a bowl until 2017 at the earliest. But they're coming back into Kusa. Wes, this is this is so bizarre. You you were a little surprised 
uh, I think maybe at the the fan voice. Uh, UAB doesn't usually get a lot of people at its home games. Now that could be because it's an off-campus field, but uh, I don't believe I've ever seen a quicker back down turnaround at this level before. Well, here's my here's my reaction to it. All you air quote UAB fans, as as the Rock would say back in the day, don't just sing it, bring it. Let's see you show up to the football games and go to the football games where there's not 400 damn people in the stands mm-hmm. and you look like a national joke. Personally, I'm great with it because more places having college football means more opportunities for kids to get college educations mm-hmm. and have a chance to play. And that's great. That's awesome. I'm so happy for the kids who are going to get the chance to go to a what is a good school at University of Alabama, Birmingham. You know, they're going to get a chance to go get an education Hopefully make their lives better. But for the life of me, for the love of all that is sacred on God's green earth, what the hell has changed in six months that you didn't know before you canceled the program? Well, I think it's it's all about that that the one we had talked about a few months ago, the the independent study that they actually ended up terminating halfway through. Because some people at UAB felt that it would be biased already and that they had already made up their minds in the study that they should keep football. And this is basically the the formula they've ended up going with. The one that told them they'd make uh, revenue growth uh, in the millions. And and that's what I don't understand. Why why now? That it, it just it doesn't make any sense. So I guess I'm sort of in your camp, is why are you listening to to this subcommittee now, this study group that that put forth this effort, why are you listening to them now? And, and if and if Wes, if, let's say let's say you're a parent now, let's say you had a young son who who had gone to University of Alabama Birmingham as a freshman, moved out of Greenville, North Carolina, drove all the way down to Alabama, uh, played football there his freshman year, sophomore year they decide nope we're done we're not playing football, so now. He's got to transfer if he wants to play football somewhere. He transfers. You hear six months later, oh, yeah, we're bringing back football. How do you feel right now? I feel like I want to punch somebody in the damn face. There you go. You know, I mean, that's – it's so ridiculous because you've, you've already uprooted all of these kids and basically forced them to have to go out and find somewhere else to go. Fifty players transferred. And I'm quite sure um, not all of them transferred to an SEC school because most of them weren't that good. Yeah. You know, so what if what if UAB was the best level of football that you had a chance to play? Mm-hmm. And now you're playing Division Two, or you're playing Division Three. Love you, Wesleyan. I mean, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what if suddenly you're down there, and now also as that parent. If my kids suddenly play Division Two, Division Three, man, I'm having to pay some damn money for them to go to school now, where we had a full ride. I'm highly pissed, and truthfully, and you know me, and I'm the antithesis of a sue happy or a lawsuit happy. Human oh, I know, absolutely. I hate lawsuits, but I really don't know if maybe I'm not exploring my rights at this point. Yeah, know what I would be able to do there, but you know what? There are plenty of frivolous fucking lawsuits in this country. 
I mean, I think this would hold a hell of a lot more water than a lot of them we see come up every day. Yeah, uh, I think one of the other interesting things to come out of this, and I'm sure this played a big part in their reversal, although I have to imagine they knew this beforehand, uh, Conference USA bylaws require its members to field an FBS football program. Um, and obviously Conference USA is very pleased that UAB will be sticking around to help them keep their coffers a little bit more full. But I, I, I just I don't understand what what the impetus was now at this point why why did they feel they couldn't trust the study to begin with and why they they think it they all of a sudden turned around and and said okay yeah uh you know one person they say is uh this person a former U, uh, uab player craft uh who spent hundreds of hours over the past six months raising money from private donors to restore the program which i'm sure didn't hurt uh, he was actually able to secure an estimated $7.5 million in financial pledges. Uh, and that money will be going towards building an on-campus football stadium for the Blazers. So I guess, Wes, the last question is, will it ha- will it hold where if they build it, they will come? Um, I think an on-campus site for them is, is an absolute best-case scenario that they can come up with. Because, you know, I'm sorry, I've been to a game at Legion Field before, Legion mm-hmm. Stadium, whatever they call it now. Um, and I vowed I'm, I was never going back. <laughs> Not like I'm going back anyway. <laughs> right. But, you know, that place, I mean, when we talk about a place being a dump and in a bad part of town, it did not get much worse than that. <laughs> Uh, and I happened to go there. I saw East Carolina play South Florida there in the Papa John's Bowl. Yeah. Um, where a good friend of the pod, Will Johnson, won the uh, halftime throwing contest for Papa John while in one hand holding a uh, piece of Papa's Perfect deep dish pizza. Oh, nice. Uh, sitting in a recliner and throwing a football, which he actually threw about 30, 35 yards. Oh. So uh, Will J with a nice cannon. And then he got uh, a a $1,000 gift card for Papa John's for winning. Nice. We had pizza for a long time off of that. <laughs> I, um, I mean, the place was – God, this was almost 10 years ago, and the place was horrible and decrepit then. It's, it's no better now. They, If they want to survive long term, they're going to have to find a way to get an on-campus facility. I mean, look, you get it there, you see 25000 in it. You know, obviously, you're not building <laughs> you're not building the big house here, right? <laughs> and you're not building um, Ohio Stadium, <laughs> Buckeye Stadium. You're not building that, but you build you a, a nice twenty five thousand seat stadium. And initial interest is going to get a lot of people there, and then once you settle in, you're hoping maybe you get fifteen to twenty thousand per game. Here, here's my question. Now that there was this mass exodus, more than 50 players leaving the program, they're going to have to replenish very quickly. Most likely, like most quote-unquote expansion teams, they're not going to be very good probably the first couple years. Do, do you think the fans will then stick around through those lean years in, in hopes of getting something better down the line? Or do you think they'll come out the first two years and be like, well, this team sucks. I'm not coming out here. Well, here's your deal. Um, as of this year, there are nearly 19,000 students at the University of Alabama Birmingham. Mm-hmm. 
I think early on you're definitely going to get a renewed sense of um, excitement just because, you know, I'm sure there were people who threw a damn hissy fit when the program was dissolved who had never been to a football game. <laughs> yeah. Because that's just how college students, especially, that's just how they are. You know, they they want something to fight about. They want something to lie about. Right. Uh, so it's just what it was. But, um, yes, eventually you're obviously going to have to put out a good product. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what everything comes down to. You can have all the hype and the flash around that you want. Eventually you've got to put a good product out there. UAB, I'm sorry, they're never going to be the other University of Alabama. Yeah. They're never going to be UAT, University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Um, they're never going to be them by any means. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of schools who are the second, third school in a state who can be very successful. You know, they just, they look no farther than Conference USA, their former, their former Conference USA brethren, you know, Central Florida, mm-hmm. who... I mean, it's not exactly like the University of Central Florida is a massive football school by any means, but they still get people going to their football games. They're still interested in it, and the reason there's interest in it is because you know they spent a little money and got a got a, a good name coach mm-hmm. who has done a you know, for whatever you think of Georgia O'Leary has done a fantastic job there. Oh yeah, that's what you gotta do. You go out, you spend your little money, you find you a good coach, give them some money to hire a staff. And, I mean, it's just like anything. If you're winning, people will come. Because people are, I mean, people are just naturally bandwagon fans. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's that's nature. You know? <laughs> no, nobody wants to go and see their team lose all the time. Yes, you know, it is about the experience. And people will go to tailgate and maybe go to the ballgame for a little while. But they're not truly there unless they're there to see you win or compete to win. So for UAB, they are going to have it tough. They're going to have to rebuild that whole program. And I heard rumor that they might bring back the guy who was the coach. Uh, he is still under contract. Okay, so, so they never actually lost him. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, such a weird story. And you said they come back in the fall of 2016. Correct. So that basically gives him a free year to go out, recruit, do whatever he wants to do. Um I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what kids they will get in there. I mean, because once again, you're not getting the kids that are going to Alabama or Auburn or Georgia. You're not getting those kids. Right. So you weren't getting those kids to start with. <laughs> so um, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Absolutely. And we'll keep track of that as long as this story remains interesting and relevant because otherwise <laughs> there's no way we're going to pay attention to UAB. Um, so Wes, with that, uh, we head to watch four. What are you watching in the week that was in the week that will be? Edge will be, I believe, um, equal parts excited, equal parts completely disappointed in me about this. Okay. As I have watched absolutely nothing since, uh, maybe Friday. Oh, wow. The reason being because over the weekend when the boy and I were at GameStop, the boy saw a game and said, Hey, Wes, let's get this game. That game, Ed, was FIFA 15. Really? Which I have been playing, uh, which after I got home and he went to bed, I started my career mode on and have basically played nonstop, including the three hours before doing the show with you tonight. Uh, I, I am running my beloved Liverpool, Ed, 
We're, we're tops in the Premier League after New Year's. Um, Luis Suarez wants out of town. Okay. <laughs> uh, so much like real life, he hasn't bitten anyone yet. It's good. Uh, but, but good times, man. So that, that truly I can't really say I've watched much of anything lately because that's all I've been well, doing. Well, no, that's fine. If that's what you're doing, I'm, <laughs> I'm all for the watch for expanding into video games. We go. Uh, but also a new show on uh, Ring of Honor. I've actually got it on right now as we speak. Ring of Honor, which is um, a it's it's a it's another wrestling promotion. I know we're about to get to so wrong in a few minutes, but it is a wrestling promotion that is definitely not the WWE. They are one of the much smaller companies, mm-hmm. but they premiered tonight on Destination America. Yes. And uh, Ring of Honor have been known for a long time of putting on top-rate shows. And um, from what I'm seeing, just sitting here in the uh, dining room looking into the uh, living room, uh, it is, uh, it's going to live up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do well. Oh, awesome. So Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock, Ring of Honor. Uh, has, uh, has Virtual Soldata scored in your Premier League? Um, let me think. I I beat Spurs the other night. That was last night I beat Spurs. I believe I beat them uh, by normal Liverpool Spurs count about 3-0. Yeah. You still have Bale, by the way. Wait, what? How? Maybe I got 14. Maybe you did. Yeah, I didn't pay full price. Yeah, okay, I got FIFA 14. Now. Okay, because I, I was also about, I was about to ask you then how is Harry Kane doing, but... I'm, I'm way too cheap to get a full price to hunt anything now. Yeah, okay, so it's FIFA 14. That's why I still have Suarez as well. So Yeah, yes. Uh, but, yeah, she still have Bale, but you still couldn't score against my beloved Of course not. Um, as mentioned earlier, I uh, I am watching the uh, – started just randomly at lunch, decided to rewatch the first three episodes of Archer Vice. Uh, which are just <laughs> so fantastic. Just that's, that's been that's been coming on FX uh, FXX late night for uh, about a month now. Oh, it's so good. I, I forgot how good those episodes were. They they are tremendous. Um, but I also watched this past week. Uh, I know I've talked about it a few times. Community. Uh, they had their season finale on Yahoo Screen this past week. Uh, very very oddly touching season finale would also might be the series finale hope not hashtag and a movie um but really really good and i hope that means we get to see more joel McHale and allison brie in the very near future uh joel McHale, who was announced actually today will be coming on as a part-time guest on the uh the x-files uh, series that they're going to be bringing back for a, a few episodes. So that should be pretty interesting to see how the, the comedian does there. And of course, Wes, also Joel McHale will be hosting the ESPYs this year. Not watching. Me neither. So done with the ESPN. I mean, y'all can hire me, that's fine, but I'm so done watching your product right now. So, no, here's the thing. We can still be hired by ESPN FC. Oh, no, see, now that I'm not done with. Basically... Basically, if it's college football or um, or ESPN FC, I'm fine. Yeah, I just I need nothing that has to do with anything in the world. Hey, you know what? You know what? You won't be watching in the weeks that that to come on on ESPN. You won't be watching Mark May on college football anymore. Or Lou Holtz. They both died at the same time, and that that literally will actually up my uh, ESPN college football viewership because. I'll tell you, I, I don't think I've ever hated a duo. 
uh, and I'm, I'm talking about Bonnie and Clyde. I'm talking about the entire Manson family. I'm talking about uh, the Eurythmics. Anything like I hated Nay and Holt. Wait, why do you hate the Eurythmics? I don't really hate the Eurythmics. That's the only duo I can think of at the <laughs> okay. moment. Okay, maybe Wait. we'll save the Indigo Girls. Okay, that's fine. Sure. I'm okay with that. Um, so, so you would say then that college football coverage with Mark May and Lou Holtz makes you so raw? Oh, God. It chafed horribly. It why Why don't you take us into the real so raw news of the week? Oh, my God. Where do we begin? Hell, it's been two weeks, so we had another fucking pay-per-view. Of course. And guess what, Ed? We're getting one not this Sunday, but next Sunday as well. Jesus Christ. It is, it is three pay-per-views in six weeks for the dub, dub E. Um, this past Sunday, we had the Elimination Chamber, oh. uh, which was really a lot of fun. The Elimination Chamber match itself, which did, – did I actually send you something like a picture of that? I don't think so. I really think that I meant to and never did. I'm very sorry. I get very busy during the day. Yes. Uh, trying to duck out of work. Um, uh, Elimination Chamber match, which has in the past been known for its sheer brutality, of course has been completely neutered now with WWE's no blood policy. Uh, so that was so. Now you look more for spots. You know, you look for like just spots of cool shit in that right. match. The tag team title match delivered. That was. That was a fantastic, really fun, really well put together match that told a really good story. Um, the New Day, who right now are probably the most hated entity in wrestling, uh, just because of their positivity of all things, um, they ended up retaining the titles. It was very cool. It was very fun. That was great. The Intercontinental title match in the Elimination Chamber, to me, completely fell flat. Oh. And it was because you had a lot of guys in there who were brawlers, mm -hmm. which was really cool, once again, in the old Elimination Chamber where they could bust each other's faces open. That was fun. Now, it's just, you know, they try to sell, like, backdrops as being the most brutal thing ever, and it's just not. Um so that was kind of, that was a little bogus. Um, John Cena versus Kevin Owens lived up and exceeded the hype. Oh, my. Uh, the internet almost broke when Kevin Owens cleanly pinned John Cena, one, two, three. Uh, Twitter exploded, was ablaze. It was, it, it was a fantastic match. And that's coming from someone who ha will not say that very often about a John Cena match. Mm -hmm. Um this Steen, this well, Steen, his his name on the Independence was Kevin Steen. He's now Kevin Owens. Um, he is bringing out a whole new level of John Cena that we have not seen in years, which is like a fierce, uh, ruthless aggression kind of thing, which was a actually kind of a time period in the WWE was called ruthless aggression. Oh. Um, and he's bringing it back out and seeing it. And it is it made for a great match in the pay-per-view there. They're supposed to have a rematch at Money in the Bank in about a week and a half now. And I'm really excited for it. And I could not tell you when was the last time I was excited for a John Cena match. So that's really cool. Match of the night, though. Of course. Of course, you know who has to be in my match of the night, Ed. Dean Ambrose. And Seth Rollins. Of course. Um, 
really good match. And, and I say that it was a really good match. It was not their best that we've seen them do. <laughs> you know, the, the matches last summer when this feud was hot, heavy, and just the nastiest thing on earth, were, the matches were better. But this one was good, and this one had what was called a dusty ending, which is which means basically this was a early to mid-80s Florida Championship Wrestling kind of finish where the screw job was in for somebody, and the crowd left. The crowd couldn't decide if they were happy or pissed when it was over. Oh, and that's my. when you know you've really gotten into somebody's head when they can't decide if they're mad or not. <laughs> um but basically the gist of what happened, uh, Dean Ambrose heading up to the top rope to drop a big-time move on Seth Rollins. Rollins intentionally pulled the referee in front of him as Ambrose was in the air, uh, pulled the ref in front of him. Ambrose ends up elbowing the ref in the face, knocking the referee out. Ambrose then uh, proceeds to finish off uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, a, a referee out of the back runs down to the ring, counts the one, two, three, Holy shit, no one can move because everyone is so jacked because Dean Ambrose is the world heavyweight champion. And as I am completely marking out in my living room, um, trying not to wake up everyone in the house, <laughs> the the actual referee kind of comes to, starts talking to the referee who came down and got the three count. And Ed, at that point, the decision was reversed. And due to a disqualification on Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose wins the match by disqualification. But as we all know, Ed, you cannot win. The title does not change hands on a countout or a disqualification. Of course. So while Dean Ambrose wins the match, Seth Rollins retained the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, even though then Dean Ambrose actually ran off into the crowd with the championship, and that's kind of become its own little running theme on Raw. Nice. Is now he's stolen the belt, <laughs> which is not the first time he's done that, by the way, in, in the last three or four months. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um, great ending. Sets up a rematch at Money in the Bank in about a week and a half. Uh, title on the line again. I don't foresee Rollins losing the title. I think uh, I think WWE is building toward a SummerSlam with. Brock Lesnar involved somehow. Lesnar scheduled to be back on WWE television on June the 22nd. Um, I just think that's the natural order of where the title goes back to. If you're going to take it off Rollins, you put it back on Lesnar. Right. Just because Brock Lesnar is seen as this unbeatable force, this immovable object. Um, So that's going to be something to keep our eye on. Raw on Monday night, I'm not going to lie. I was exhausted for Raw Monday night. Uh, Roman Reigns proved his worth as he had been named in the Money in the Bank ladder match, but then was told to keep his spot in the match. He had to uh, he had to win a match that night. Wow. So he won a match. Well, then uh, the authority, led by Triple H, decided, well, you're going to fight a second match. Same stipulation. He won that match. Then they said, well, good. You know, um, Third time's a charm, so you're going to wrestle for a third time tonight. And he ends up in the main event wrestling Bray Wyatt, who, big bad dude. Reigns ends up knocking off Wyatt, so he wins three matches, keeps his spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match. And uh, we're, we're just going to have to see where that goes because, um, you know, they've announced a lot of the field for the ladder match. I'll go over the whole field next week for everyone in So Raw. Uh, I'm. 
I don't know. I don't really see where they're going with the storyline. Uh-huh. So I'm actually kind of interested to see where this goes because I can't figure it out. Oh. Which kind of gives me, which, you know, it, it's kind of fun for me at times because, I mean, I've watched so much of it. I understand how it works. I understand the psychology that a lot of times I can pick out what's going to happen. Right. And with this, I can't. So that, that actually excites me. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, can't wait to see what the uh, the the WWE script writers have to say in the coming weeks, especially with more pay-per-views than ever being shoved (laughs) down your gullet. Um, And I do not have a problem with that whatsoever. I I have not oversaturated yet. Oh, good. Good to hear. Um, So that's what's going on in our world. That has been episode... 57 of the all new sports of the podcast it was a lot of fun uh and hopefully this is the beginning of the end of set bladder at fifa although it looks like it's going to be a very 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 long end uh but next week come back we'll have another uh episode i'm sure we'll be having much more to talk about about what's going on at fifa as more dominoes begin to fall we'll of course have a champions league final to discuss in depth uh barcelona versus juventus again this saturday uh check it out and we will be talking about it uh next week uh we'll also be having a women's world cup update uh, we might get to this Brazil national team squad selection story at some point, which just looks less corrupt by the second, to be honest. Well, these guys weren't actually that bad. Yeah, man, just give it a few weeks. You'll you'll be you'll be okay. That's that's why they released it when they did. Um, and we'll have so much more. We'll also be telling you, of course, who's going to Omaha, and we'll tell you our best guesses of who's going to win it all. Uh, but Wes, before we go, anything else you'd like to mention? Thank God baseball ends for me this week. Um, And thus far, I have not murdered any children this year. So that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Game left. uh, I think I'm going to make it through okay. If you want to congratulate Wes on him not murdering any children this year, uh, you can tweet at him at? Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. You can also tweet us at the collective at All New Sports Show. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, you can also email us through Gmail, and you can mail us to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. We'd like to, of course, thank NGSC Sports that are presenting this podcast to you. Check them out and all their other great articles and podcasts at NGSCSports.com. And big thanks again to all our other uh, places where you can be listening to this podcast, including Spreaker.com, the TuneIn Radio app, Stitcher Radio, the iTunes Music Store, and Podbean.com. So for my colleague Wes Bradshaw, And producer Dez, I am Edward Green. This has been episode 57 of the all-new Sports of the Podcast. Enjoy the Champions League final this weekend, everyone. Good night, Jack Warner and all of you fine folks in the Cayman Islands. Oh, Trinidad and Tobago. We're pouring one out for you tonight. So, so totally. Ah, Jack Warner, you're slime. Thunder! Ah, he's such slime. Such slime. But it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.